Chapter Four of the History of Birkin Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Birkin Hare by George McGregor. Chapter Four. Tales of the Resurrectionists, the Professional Body Snatchers a dundee resurrectionist ballad a strange experiment in glasgow the two preceding chapters have been devoted to stories circulated about doctors and medical students who engaged in resurrectionist exploits but there are many other tales quite as interesting told of a very different class of men those who entered into this horrible work for the purpose of carrying out their anatomical investigations can be excused in part but the men of whom we now speak entered into it with motives not dictated by and therefore had not the excuse of a desire for scientific progress but rather were founded on mercenary greed not a few of them were sextons many of them were drawn from the scum of the population who rather than earn an honest livelihood were ready to engage in any desperate enterprise which would give them a large sum of money the work of these men if all stories are true at times touch the feelings of the anatomists themselves it is stated that a professor of the university of glasgow going into the dissecting room one morning to view a subject which had been laid out was horrified to find it was the body of his son who had been recently interred a somewhat similar tale is recorded of a student at the university of edinburgh he saw on the dissecting table what he believed to be the body of his mother half distracted he posted home to dumfries and in company with his father made an investigation of the grave where his mother had been buried it was then found he had been mistaken for they found the body lying silently in its last resting place in connection with the medical school of edinburgh were several worthies who had been made immortal by the graphic pen of leighton here is how the author of the court of cacus photographs them there was one called mary lees or more often mary andrew a great favorite with the students of gigantic height he was thin and gaunt even to ridiculousness with a long pale face and the jaws of an ogre his shabby clothes no doubt made for some tall person of proportionate girth hung upon his sharp joints more as if they had been placed there to dry than to clothe and keep warm the manners of this man were quite of a piece with his outward appearance his gait was springy and his face underwent contortions of the least pleasant kind the people knew his peculiar ways and many of them seized every opportunity of tormenting him generally much to their own intense satisfaction and amusement another attendant and one of mary andrew's colleagues was a worthy whose proper name was practically unknown but who went by the sobriquet of spoon with an exterior suggestive of a broken-down parson his mental qualities were of the feeblest order or being vigorous they found no fitting expression 
the spoon always kept his own counsel performing his duties in such a staid and dignified manner that you would have said he bore all the honors of the science to the advancement of which he contributed so much these two men were slightly touched by scientific aspirations though it must be admitted that these were not by any means the motives that constrained them to follow their unholy employment the pecuniary results weighed much more than any scientific considerations with the motuart properly called moat who was another of the group he had been a plasterer but he found that to pursue his trade he had to work hard for little and he took to the business of a resurrectionist simply because he could make more money a great deal easier a course of conduct perhaps legitimate enough in itself but one which it would be difficult to justify when the nature of the change is taken into account however these three men were the great supports of the anatomical investigators in surgeon's square edinburgh they were assisted by others of less note important enough in their own way but undeserving the same particular notice these men are believed to have made a great number of purchases in the lower parts of edinburgh for not a few drunken shiftless creatures were willing to sell the bodies of their deceased relatives for a small sum often an arrangement had been come to before the final separation of soul and body indeed it is to be feared that this was by no means uncommon in all the centres of population a grimly amusing story is told by leighton illustrative of this and at the same time of the trickishness and love of mischief supposed to be characteristic of the medical student this is how he tells it one night a student who saw him mary lees standing at a close end and suspected that his friend was watching his prey whispered in his ear she's dead and aided by the darkness escaped in a moment after mary andrew shot down the wind and opening the door pushed his lugubrious face into a house it's a or i hear said he in a loud whisper and when will we come for the body wished ye mongrel replied the old harridan who acted as nurse she's as lively as a cricket the unfortunate invalid was terrified but was unable to do anything to help herself mary andrew slipped out and went in search of the student who had played such a scurvy trick upon him but was of course unsuccessful to resume leighton's narrative the old invalid no doubt hastened by what she had witnessed died on the following night and on that after the night succeeding when he had reason to expect that she would be conveniently placed in the white fur receptacle that has a shape so peculiarly its own and not deemed by him so artistic as that of a bag or a box merrilies accompanied by the spoon entered the dead room with a sack full of bark to their astonishment and what merrilies even called disgusting to an honourable mind the old wretch had scruples a light has come doon upon me frae heaven she said and i canna light frae heaven said merrilies indignantly 
will that show the doctors how to cut a cancer out o' ye yell fool but we'll soon put out that light he whispered to his companion awah and bring in a half mutchkin ay replied the spoon as he got hold of a bottle we are only obeying the will o god man's infirmity shall verily be cured by the light o his wisdom i forget the text and the spoon proud of his biblical learning went upon his mission he was back in a few minutes for where in scotland is whisky not easily got then merrily's as he used to tell the story to some of the students to which we cannot be expected to be strictly true as regards every act or word filling out a glass handed it to the wavering witch take ye that he said and it will drive the devil out of ye and finding that she easily complied he filled out another which went to the same direction with no less relish and knew said he as he saw her scruples melting in the liquid fire and took out the pound note which he held between her face and the candle look through it ye old divil and you'll see some of the real light o heaven that'll make your cat's eye real but that's only ain said the now wavering merchant and ye can ye promise three and here they are replied he as he held before her the money to the amount of which she had only had an experience in her dreams and which reduced her staggering reason to a vestige weel she at length said ye may tack her and all things thus bade fair for the completion of the barter when the men and scarcely less the woman were startled by a knock at the door which having been opened to the dismay of the purchasers there entered a person dressed in a loose great coat with a broad bonnet on his head and a thick cravat round his throat so broad as to conceal a part of his face mrs wilson is dead said the stranger as he approached the bed ay replied the woman from whom even the whisky could not keep off an ague of fear i am her nephew continued the stranger and i am come to pay the last duties of affection to one who was kind to me when i was a boy can i see her ay said the woman she's no screwed doon yet mary andrew and the spoon slipped out of the house followed by the stranger who pretended to give them chase the stranger it came out afterwards was a student who thought fit to play a practical joke on the two worthies the dead woman was decently buried but the nurse quietly put the three pounds in her pocket in the course of some transactions in blackfriars wind merrilees had so they thought cheated his two companions to the extent of ten shillings and this was an offence never to be forgotten or forgiven a sister of merrilees residing in pennyquick happened to die and it occurred to his unfeeling heart that he might make a few pounds by raising her body immediately after the interment he said nothing but the spoon noticing from his appearance that he had some important project on foot made inquiries 
which made him as he said suspect that merrily's sister was dead at last the spoon told the modwort so and they agreed to lift the body themselves as by doing this they would not only profit to the extent of several pounds but would also be revenged upon merry andrew for his unfair behaviour towards them a donkey and cart were procured and the two companions set out that night for pennyquick with all the necessary utensils between twelve and one o'clock they were at work in the kirkyard they had hardly begun when they were alarmed by a noise near at hand but after listening a moment they thought they were mistaken and resumed at last they got the body above the ground then they heard a shout and behind a tombstone they saw a white-robed figure with extended arms they fled in terror and started for edinburgh in all haste the apparition was none other than mary lees who having met the owner of the donkey and cart had been told that his two colleagues were away with them to pennyquick suspected their design and had thus frustrated it remarking that the spoon is without its porridge this time and shall not man live on the fruit of the earth merrilies shouldered the body of his sister and set out for the city before long he came near his foiled enemies and raising another shout he forced them to leave their cart behind as they found their legs would carry them faster home than the quadruped they had borrowed this was the crowning part of merry andrew's expedition for he put his burden in the cart and managed at last to convey it to surgeon square the professional body-snatchers were however sometimes employed by other than doctors by persons who made use of them for purposes which had not even the excuse of a desire for the advancement of anatomical science the story is told of two young men from the north named george duncan and henry ferguson fellow lodgers in the potterow of edinburgh who were rivals for the affections of a miss wilson residing in the vicinity of brunsfield links ferguson was preferred and duncan hated him because of that at last disease carried the successful suitor away and his body was interred in Buclock burying ground duncan's hatred went even further than death itself for he employed a well-known snatcher who rejoiced in the cognomen of screw on account of his cleverness at raising bodies and they went together to the cemetery for the purpose of conveying the corpse of ferguson to the rooms occupied by dr monroe when they arrived there they found miss wilson beside the grave overwhelmed with grief at the loss of her lover at last she went away and soon the body was within the precincts of the college in the dundee district also the resurrectionists were able to do a considerable amount of business there as elsewhere the people in the country parts were in a high state of excitement over the frequent depredations made in their churchyards and it was shrewdly suspected that this was done for the purpose of supplying the edinburgh doctors with subjects watches were set but the superstition of the guardians of the dead often aided by the whisky they partook of to keep away the cold and raise their spirits among their eerie surroundings 
made their vigils too frequently of little avail the wily resurrectionists were too sharp for them for it was almost a matter of certainty that the body of any one who died of a peculiar disease would disappear within a few days after it had been consigned to the grave in the village of errol in the cars of gowrie such depredations were not unfrequent about the time the burke and hare were operating with so much effect among the waifs of edinburgh an incident of a somewhat amusing kind occurred at this place the parish churchyard was then without a boundary wall and as it lay in the middle of the village it was customary for the inhabitants to make a short cut across it when passing from one part of the place to another on one occasion a village worthy had been attending a convivial gathering and on his way home at the bewitching hour of night he thought he would take the pathway through the churchyard as he approached it he saw what appeared to be a black horse feeding in the aisle a low part of the yard to his horror someone jumped on the animal's back and made towards him he took to his heels and ran as fast as he could never stopping until he had gained a safe hiding in a farm on the side of the tay at a point about two miles to the south-east of the village when the story obtained currency the belief was commonly expressed that the horse belonged to a doctor who was in search of an interesting subject that had been recently buried the churchyard of dundee then popularly known as the Half was laid under heavy contribution to the cause of science and the most notorious of the local resurrectionists was geordie mill one of the grave diggers he was at last caught in his nefarious work and his memory has been celebrated in a song long popular in the district this production has now nearly dropped out of memory but as it is a curious commentary on the transactions of the time it is worthy of preservation the following fragments of it are from the notes of dr robert robertson errol and mr james patterson glasgow two natives of the carse of gowrie here goes geordie mill we his round mouthed spade he's eye wishin for the mare folk dead for the sake o his donal and his bit short bread to carry the spakes in the mornin a porter cam to geordie's door a hairy trunk on his back he wore and in the trunk there was a line and in the line was sovereigns nine ay for a fat and sonsy queen we the coach on wednesday mornin beneath the tune geordie goes to k on robbie beck and co the doctor's line to robbie shows while wished fray them a double dose we the coach on wednesday mornin geordie's wife says sirs tack tent for a warning to me's been sent that tells me that you will repent your conduct on some mornin quo robbie wife now hush o'er fears we hae the key Delane can steers 
we've been weel paid these dozen o years think o octeen pound in a mornin then they caid on tam and jock the lads what used the spade and pork and we glenlivet their throats did soak to keep them ricked in the mornin the worthies were according to the ballad discovered when lifting the second body and it concludes with the line and that was a deal o a mornin it was popularly believed that these men were in the habit of supplying dr knox with bodies taken from the churchyard of dundee and there was great indignation against them when the revelations consequent on the apprehension of burke and hare were made known before proceeding to deal with the events that led up to the burke and hare trial there is an incident of peculiar interest which deserves to be recorded but which cannot be properly put under any of the classes into which we have divided these tales of the resurrectionists in a sense it does not belong to the resurrectionist movement but as it relates indirectly to it it may be given at the glasgow circuit court in october eighteen nineteen a collier of the name of matthew clydesdale was condemned to death for murder and the judge in passing sentence as was the custom ordered that after the execution the body should be given to dr james jeffrey the lecturer on anatomy in the university to be publicly dissected and anatomized the execution took place on the fourth of november following and the body of the murderer was taken to the college dissecting theatre where a large number of students and many of the general public were gathered to witness an experiment it was proposed to make upon it the intention was that a newly invented galvanic battery should be tried with the body and the greatest interest had accordingly been excited the corpse of the murderer was placed in a sitting position in a chair and the handles of the instrument put into the hands hardly had the battery been set working then the auditory observed the chest of the dead man heave and he rose to his feet some of them swooned for fear others cheered at what was deemed a triumph of science but the professor alarmed at the aspect of affairs put his lancet in the throat of the murderer and he dropped back into his seat for a long time the community discussed the question whether or not the man was really dead when the battery was applied most probably he was not for in those days death on the scaffold was slow there was no long drop to break the spinal cord it was simply a case of strangulation end of chapter four recording by john brandon